This is the Cover 2 Podcast with Don Banks and Nick Stevens. Brady on the deep drop, stands in, fires down the middle for Gronkowski, makes the grab at the 45, going away from defenders. He's gone to the 20, to the 10, to the 5, to the end zone. The Cover 2 Podcast on Patriots.com. The play fake and the throw to the end zone for Antonio Brown. Touchdown, Pittsburgh. Nobody covers the NFL like the guys from Cover 2. Eight different receivers have caught a pass. Matt Ryan today, he's looking to throw again. Wide open, Julio Jones passes, and in the end zone, touchdown Falcons. Now, Don Banks and Nick Stevens. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Cover 2 Podcast with Banks and Stevens. I'm Don Banks, joined by my co-host Nick Stevens. Fresh off a long Thanksgiving weekend of football, football, and more football. I'm almost footballed out by the time I get to Monday night's game um, when we've been watching football since, what, Thursday noon. I can't get enough. Yeah. I actually, my passion for the season, I had a Patriots buy, so I had a chance to like, okay, all right, yeah, they got their ass kicked. Let's uh, step back, reappreciate, they come back. Steelers lose after the Patriots squeak out one of those like wins down in the Meadowlands, but there's really no other kind. Awesome slate of game. Very entertaining week of football. It Thanksgiving was. Thanksgiving was satisfying enough. I mean, if the Falcons didn't turn the ball over three freaking times in the red zone, then we actually would have probably had a really good Thursday night second sandwich uh, sort of you know dessert game. Yeah, but, I agree. It was a, it was an entertaining day. I mean, the Dallas Washington game was probably the best. Of, but I also enjoyed watching. Um, well, the Bears push the Lions around a little bit. And the Chase Daniel factor actually made that game a bit more interesting. It did. It made yeah. it a lot more interesting. It did. It was like it was like almost a handicap for the Bears that equaled uh, leveled the playing field a little bit. Is he going to be a career backup, or do we uh, are we smelling a little Hasselbeck uh, Scott Mitchell action for him? Because I think he could actually handle a team. I think that window closed. I think he's now clearly in the career backup i thought coming out of where was he was a handsomely out, i was a Missouri new, guy isn't he out of well yeah but out of new orleans i thought coming out of new orleans i thought he had a little buzz like somebody might give him a chance and then remember philadelphia acquired him that's right and paid him handsomely to be number three behind wentz and bradford then uh-huh. they moved bradford right um, but and were handsomely rewarded for bradford with minnesota and now sam bradford is making millions of dollars listening to the cover two podcast someplace yeah i don't think so but you know what? Week thirteen uh, isn't bad either. We're going to have, I believe, the game of the week right here in Gillette Stadium. You've got the Vikings and the Patriots, two of the final four from last year, and the only two that are above five hundred at the moment. Um, it's the only matchup this week that has two playoff teams from twenty seventeen as well. How about that? So um, you like that? Well, I I would if I was Kirk Cousins. I would like that. Um, you know, you don't get to see. Uh, the Vikings all that much if you're a Patriots fan. You every four years. Yeah, the team yes, the teams matching up, of course. They do only play once every four years. However, I do feel as though I've seen a lot of the Vikings this year. Maybe it's just living in New England or maybe it's that they had such an exciting twenty seventeen that the networks decided to feature them because yeah, they've had I've seen a couple Sunday nighters. They've had the Bears game last week at Chicago. They've had the Thursday night at the Rams in the Coliseum, which was an entertaining 38-31 game. They've had the big rematch with the Eagles, who they played and lost too badly in the NFC title game. And then they had the big rematch with the Saints, 
who they obviously beat in miraculous fashion in the divisional round. And subsequently lost to this year. But also earlier in the season, there was that overtime thriller where Kirk Cousins balled out and had about 400 yards and four touchdowns that ended up as a tie between uh, yeah. the Packers and the Vikes. That was the Clay Matthews hit uh, oh, game, geez. if you remember. At which you know, didn't work out that day for the Packers. But And I think I even heard... Uh, mention of this on uh, the Patriots broadcast Sunday, Ian Eagle and Dan Fouts, if Dan Fouts was tuned into Planet Earth. Why is it Ian instead of Ian? Like I don't know. Else. Yeah, I don't know. I've always wondered that. But Yeah, it's one of those, like, you sure? You know, you could say, like, it's Jeffrey. No, it's Joffrey. Oh, right. okay. okay. All right, that's fine. Good it should be Ian. That said, uh, they did make mention of how they've sort of walked that back. So the Clay Matthews, or maybe they mentioned it Sunday night, but it's been a good thing for the NFL yes. that the Clay Matthews penalty happened because it was so absurd. Yeah, it was that tipping point, the proverbial tipping point. It was like the fail Mary. I think that the, the analogy they used, the fail mm -hmm. Mary call with the replacement refs, Seattle, right. Green Bay, about four or five years ago. Now, if I'm getting ready for Patriots, Vikings, I'll be here Sunday working, doing my thing. I'm excited to watch the game here from the stadium. It's definitely the game of the week. Let's say I'm a Patriots fan or just a football fan. How will I possibly be able to get some road team perspective? Is there a podcast I can listen to, Don? You might tune in to the Cover 2 podcast. We have, as our guest today, Paul Allen, who's been the play-by-play -play announcer for the Vikings since 2002. And he's also a, a KFAN radio host in the Twin Cities. I've known Paul for a long time. Um, he did a hit for us last year, Thanksgiving week, before the Vikes-Lions Thanksgiving Day game. And he is going to be on the podcast today given us 15 or 16 quality minutes on the Vikings. You know, it's been a it's been a strange year. I don't want to uh, um, go down the Viking trail too far, but they had this kind of magic carpet ride, 13-3 and three season. They come back with Super Bowl or bust. They give $84 million to Kirk Cousins. And it's kind of been eh, up and down, 6-4-1, and one, you know, a little, a little good, a little bad. But the win at home against Green Bay does put them – not only in the sixth seed in the NFC, but it, it certainly sets up the rest of their season. Now, they've got two tough games at New England, at Seattle, Oof. coming up. And that's a different Seattle team than the yeah. start of the 2018 season, Absolutely. or even when the schedule came out. It's a very dangerous Seattle team that can run the ball, play a little defense, and Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson. So they've, they've got a tough road. I mean, if, it wouldn't shock you if you looked up in two weeks and the Vikings were 6-6-1. Six, six, and one. Um, with three games remaining, but, but eight, eight, four, and one. If I'm streaking towards the playoffs, and I'm thinking this could be a road, uh, well, they could win the North. But if they end up in the in Wild Card Weekend, there's enough talent in that team that when everything clicks, and that's why they're one of the more yeah. interesting teams. When everything clicks, they could just about beat anybody. I agree, and they they have not all come together at the same time very often this season. It's been one thing or the other. Um, but, you know, in general, you look at Kirk Cousins, and, and he clearly finally won a quote-unquote big game the other night for him uh, after looking pretty shaky against the Bears the previous Sunday night. Mm -hmm. um, I still think that's a good fit for him, and I think it was a good signing. I really do. I know Case Keenum's numbers last year were pretty darn good, but I think long-term you're better off. Cousins is completing 71% of his passes, 22 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, and his passer rating is almost 102. I mean, it's it doesn't feel like he's played that well, but the numbers say he's he's been pretty good. Yeah, he has. Um, and I don't believe he's the reason why they're not in a better position than 6-4-1. They had some defensive inconsistencies earlier in the season. 
They did. And also, straight up, the Dalvin Cook injury and the time it took for him to come back made a massive yeah, difference. Yeah, he hasn't been what he was in the first four games of his rookie season. No, and for don't sure. forget last year, what you could say, like, oh, well, they lost him, you know, uh, uh, almost halfway through last season as well. They did, but they also had the combination of Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon. This year they had to mostly lean on Murray, and that's just not the same backfield. Yeah, it is not. Uh, I looked it up. Brady's 4-0 and against the Vikings, one of those teams that he's never lost to, uh, beating him in 0-2, 6, 10, and 14. A variety of Viking quarterbacks and coaches, I mm-hmm. might add, that they've gone up against, whereas it's been Brady and Belichick, Belichick in all four of those games. Uh, it's been Mike Tice. It's been Brad Childress. Who was the quarterback? I remember the game in 10 when Randy Moss came back, having just been traded a few weeks. Who was the quarterback for the Vikings in 14 when they played him in Minnesota? Um, I have that here. In 14, um, that would have been, no, it wouldn't have been Brad Johnson. That's long after he yeah, was over. Yeah, that was long after. Oh, it was uh, Matt Castle. No, ah. uh, none other than oh, they Matt played. That was, a, that was a very unfulfilling week two outdoor game. Yes, that's against right. Matt Castle. It's when they were at, what, TCF uh, Bank Stadium. As a matter of fact, yeah, that's on right. On the that, campus of the University of Minnesota. That's right. That season started, big loss, second half meltdown against Miami. Then they went to Minnesota, played outdoors, barely beat the Raiders at home in week three, 16-9, then got their doors blown off in Kansas City. We moved on to Cincinnati and Malcolm Butler. And I love when you go into it. Patriots Rain Man mode and start recounting. It's pretty. Weeks. It's not bad, right? Weeks, weeks. Just in case everything here melts down, they can always lean on me. They know they've got a living hard drive outside Gillette Stadium. Definitely Qantas. Definitely Qantas. Yeah, about a hundred dollars. Um, yeah. So that I, I think it's a good game. I'm not sure the Vikings uh, are going to win <laughs> both New England and Seattle, but I think they'll be competitive. I think they'll show up on I think Sunday. Sunday's going to be a great game. Yeah, and. We had a lot of, uh, I think it was a pretty newsy Monday in the NFL coming off of Week 12. Of course, the um, the total, uh, what would you call, finger-pointing blame game that erupted in Jacksonville. Um, oh. First with the... Uh, ceremony. We had to have the ceremonial fall guy. Right. Well, we had a couple of them, didn't we? I mean, we had, we had Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator. Bye-bye. Who was have a scalp. summarily dismissed, which is kind of funny because he had just had a pretty good game plan in the AFC title game at New England if in his, January. His coach didn't tuck his tail at halftime, then right. maybe they would have been able to fulfill their destiny. And who knows what won the, who would have won that Super so Bowl? So they decided he was part of the problem, and then of course they they did the long-awaited benching of Blake Bortles. But funny, who signed Blake Bortles to a big new contract? Wasn't mm. that Tom Coughlin, Dave Caldwell, the GM? Who knows um, what kind of input Doug Marone had on that. And this is the same Blake Bortles who, I'm not sure if it was a product of the Patriots' defensive ineptitude that in back in week two, or if that's his potential when they just sort of let him do his thing. Right. I don't, I don't know. But I, th- I think Blake Bortles, the quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars, was neutered and finished third down against the Steelers the previous week. When they, when they had him out there for an RPO, RPO and he just handed off to Fournette on third and five, when if they let him throw or boot, he would have had that game. That win, for all we know, could have turned things around, saved Hackett, saved Bortles, but instead oh, the I'm downward sorry, spiral you're was about, complete. The, the Pittsburgh the loss the week okay. before. No. Yeah. All right. Not when they were up 16 nothing and lost. Yes. Okay. That was that, his, his fate was sealed. All those fates were sealed. 
Well, they're going with Cody Kessler now, so that's obviously not the long-term option. So now let's assume, and I have How to dare assume. you not say Cody. <laughs> Cody Kessler, not the long-term option, Jacksonville? I have to believe the Bortles, the long-tortured Bortles era is now officially done. They'll oh. be in the market. What about at Blake Bortles Facts, one of the best followers on Twitter? What do they get? They only have one tweet this week. Please don't add us during this most <laughs> difficult of times. That's good. Um, but look, there's a lot of people to look at in Jacksonville. I mean, again, Marone has lost control of this team. To me, the Leonard Fournette fight coming off the bench to fight Shaq Lawson, the Bills' defensive end, on Sunday in what truly turned into a chaotic situation over there in the corner of Ralph – or um, it's not Ralph – what is it? New Era Field. Field. All we um, needed was all we needed was Shaq Lawson to slam choke slam Fournette through a flaming picnic or tailgate table, was, and we had the Bills Mafia. We had had Bills Mafia riot. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was the whole thing was. It was crazy. ugly. Moncrief and the Bills defensive back not wanting to end the play, so they just stay on the ground throughout the whole thing, both clutching half the football, trying to maintain possession while this fight is breaking out feet away from them. But to me, the Marone. A mistake this year. Whatever was lacking in discipline, uh, which was which was clearly one of his masterstrokes last year. He instilled the right discipline, kind of cracked the whip starting in training camp. Whatever he did this year, completely got away from him. And the Fournette fight to me totally personified what the problem is in Jacksonville, and that is there's no discipline. Those guys did what they wanted to do this year and paid the consequences. And you have a hierarchy of discipline with Tom Coughlin up top, and then Doug Marone seems to be a disciple, and they've been able to execute no discipline whatsoever. To me, though, it was when they allowed Jalen Ramsey to go off book when he went off script and Which did that. Which time? No, but the inter- the article. I, know, I mean, he, he did, basically he gave the entire— uh, Yeah, but that GQ interview— he gave the entire NFL bulletin board material. So you know how we always say, like, uh, you know, the Patriots play their Super Bowl in February, Don, but other teams play Super Bowls every week against them. Well, guess what? A lot of teams played AFC championships against Jacksonville every week because they were pissed off. Yeah. And there were guys like Roethlisberger. Josh Allen. Josh Allen, who couldn't wait. And he flexed on him Sunday. Yeah. Josh did. Allen. Ran for 100. I mean, I, he took two kneel downs and went from 101 to 99. But he's he a, ran for 100. Well, we can also be straight. He's not that good a quarterback yet. But he can run. Yeah, he's an athlete. Yeah, damn I mean, straight. I, he's a big kid, too, so he's when he's heading for you, you're not exactly – if you're a cornerback, ducking head and trying right. to take that's, out his that's, knees. That's, that's, a, that's a freight train car on the Roethlisberger yeah. Express that's streaking at you. But I want to just say, can we kind of stop with the Tom Coughlin disciplinarian um, persona because – that, you know, remember there were times with the Giants when that was laughable too, when they were a train wreck and they lacked all kinds of in-game discipline. And now we've seen it happen in year two in Jacksonville. So I think we can kind of put – I know he looks like the drill sergeant and he comports himself you know, with the, with the military precision as far as Coughlin time. But it seems like that is a – that's a label that we need to retire yeah. forever that Tom Coughlin is a disciplinarian. Maybe we just need to retire Tom Coughlin at this point. Maybe the maybe the game maybe he maybe he got lucky with that maybe that defensive line and a couple of big passes from Second. Eli Manning made him look a whole lot better. Well, than we he can, was at the time. Who we knows? Can, we can talk about that a long time, but you're right. I mean, I think he whatever happened in Jacksonville, the Bucks should start with his desk cuz he is the football czar. And then it goes to Dave Caldwell, the GM, right. and then it goes to Doug Marone. 
Uh, but there's there's a mess in Jacksonville, and it's, it'd be interesting to see how they try to sort that thing out. I got to believe Marone's in some trouble, uh, and I know him and Coughlin go way back Syracuse yeah. ties. But um, having to, re- you know, I got to say though too, like having to like after it was 2014 when they took Bortles, right? I think so. Yeah. So now five years later, having to probably spend first round equity on a quarterback, unless there's someone out there. You know, unless there's their Drew Brees. Is there a quarterback hitting the market? That well, is there? there isn't. Peter King, my former colleague, tweeted the other day or wrote in Monday Morning Court, well, whatever they call it now, Good Morning yep. Football or right. something. I, I still haven't hello, that. Hello, Peter. Hello. Yeah, good morning, Peter. He wrote that they should offer a one and a three to Detroit for Matthew Stafford, which I thought was interesting. Uh, I wonder if Matt Patricia wouldn't be interested in doing that I because I think, that w- I think that would change a would, lot of fortunes. It would help the rebuild. That yeah. apparently is on the way. Uh, another AFC team that I thought played an interesting game, and I'm happy to say I picked the Browns to win at Cincinnati. Uh, but that was a 28 nothing game, Cleveland in the first half. First of all, there are there are a lot of football fans who weren't alive the last time the Cleveland Browns had a 28 to nothing lead <laughs> against anybody. Second of Let all, let alone in Cincinnati. Yeah. Second of all. Uh, the juxtaposition of Hugh Jackson on the opposing sideline, getting the ball handed to him by Demarius Randall after the interception. The post game where Baker Mayfield made his point pretty clear, not going to hug a guy who just uh, went to the opposing right. locker room. I think what really happened was Hugh Jackson gave that um, apology tour of interviews right after getting canned, and among other things, said that he, you know, he wanted the, these two other quarterbacks. Uh, I think it was Deshaun Watson, and I'm forgetting who else. But it made it pretty clear. There were other quarterbacks he wished that he took. Instead of saying, you know, we were all in with Baker. So I know Baker caught a lot of – Mayfield caught a lot of heat for this. I thought it was good. I think he said, yeah, we're not going to be the Cleveland Brown Patsies anymore. I didn't like Hugh Jackson going to work for a division rival Mm -hmm. two weeks after he – Chumming around on the sidelines, laughing it up like, hey, guy, you just steered a team loaded with talent into the ground. Brown done. We're sleeping on the fact that the Browns have four wins. And they've played pretty well in they, the three games since Hugh and Todd yeah. Haley disappeared, right? And they were only non-competitive on the season, I'd say, in maybe two of their losses. Yeah. So I, the person Again, who comes out looking the worst in all this is Hugh Jackson. Oh, absolutely. And I'm for anything that exposes him. But if you watched Hard Knocks, are you surprised? No, you're not. If you watch Hard Knocks, you knew he was a fraud. I'm for anything that exposes him as over as overmatched as he really is and was. Uh, I think he's a guy that has never has never really had the goods. He's always had the presentation, right. and he got. I think he got exposed again. I mean, there are the Browns without winning a road game for 25 consecutive, and Hugh gets to see a road win by the Browns. The only problem is he's on, on the other sideline. Yeah. finally, uh, he's he's. He's the rare case. He, uh, if I call him like a, a buffoon, almost like he's he's just kind of a boob. I think he's a bit of a clown. Yeah. I, I think he's he he is a lot of talk and he doesn't deliver too much on the coaching front. Um, that was an interesting game. It really was. And uh, I remember drawing some heat because I put the Bengals in fourth place in this division in the preseason. A couple Bengals fans took took me apart. Um, they're a half game out of last place. The Browns just handed it to them in their home park uh-huh. and Andy Dalton on the IR now. <laughs> yeah, and I With, thought they were going to be a playoff thing. Yeah. I, I think. Kev, the, can you delete that? Thanks. I think the Browns are going to at least have another couple wins in them. I really do. And then they'll at least flirt with that 500 mark that we talked about them flirting with. 
Uh, on to another train wreck. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are now all but done. I mean, I know at four, six, and one. Yeah, they're they all the same record as the Browns. Just, just let the, just everyone yeah. listening at home right now. You're in the car. You're at work. Wherever, mopping the floor, making dinner. Just let that set in for a second. The Green Bay Packers and the Cleveland Browns have the same record through Week Twelve. So that one of the big topics. All right, we all know Mike McCarthy. The shelf life has probably gotten him. It's 13 years, and he's probably gone. The big topic this week was how much is Aaron Rodgers at fault here? Because clearly his game has has suffered at times this year. He's thrown some balls. He's thrown some dirt balls that I've never seen him throw. He's missing missed some, some, missed missing some, some outs, passes. Missed some easy pass. Like The downfield passes are still – some of them are just absolutely spectacular. He threads needles that, are clo- that have been soldered shut. But some of the easy passes – I. I'm going to continue to say this. I don't think he's got the that the that one extra intangible, I, or it lay dormant at times when it needs shine brightly. Also, I think he's play, he's pouting. I think he is just playing this. He's like he's done. I think mentally a little oh, bit checked out, out. Out. Yeah. I think he is. He just he's thinking like he wants. I'm just going to save the arm. I'm going to save the body. I'm not going to put myself through it. I, I see, and there's there's been some reporting, Andy Benoit, who I used to work with at um, Sports Illustrated, wrote a piece that basically said he's always been a bit of a freelancer, and it creates some unbelievable opportunities for Green Bay, and he makes some unbe- unbelievable plays, but he seems to be giving up on the play as it should be run a little early this year, and basically extending plays that don't need to be extended, missing some throws because of it, and adding a level of chaos to the offense that makes McCarthy's system look bad. I think I see part of that. I really do. I think yeah. at times he has he has looked skittish in the pocket. He has looked like he's expecting pressure. He's been hit a lot. Mm-hmm. But he's been taking sacks that he never took before. He's been missing some shorter throws that he never missed before. He's also bringing along. He's got a new tight end. He's bringing along... A bunch of six foot five gaz- yeah. rookie gazelle receivers. It's Devonte Adams and very little else. Correct. I don't know. I think number twelve deserves a little bit of the. Oh, blame I think here. he definitely does. Yeah. Uh, may I also offer this for you? Here's a uh, from the department of that's statastic. I bring you this. Aaron Rodgers is now zero and thirty seven when this. he enters the fourth quarter, trailing versus a team with a winning record. That seems incomprehensible. Need I say more? That seems incomprehensible that that could be the stab. I saw Teams that. could be tied. Teams could have losing record. But when he trails against a team with a winning record entering the fourth quarter, 0 and 37. And they seem to always have a spurt in the game where they look like the, the old Packers. They did it against Seattle on that Thursday night. They did it in Minnesota. I mean, their first, what, they scored two straight touchdowns. It was 14 7. Mm-hmm. And they looked like, okay, here we go. And then they just hit the wall. Um, I don't know. I think it's it's going to be a very interesting off season in Green Bay. Yeah, I mean, I mean you uh, got a running back you can build around. Yeah, you got some young stud wide receivers. What? But what do you? Uh, yeah, the identity forever has been Aaron Rodgers, but Aaron Rodgers is not playing like Aaron Rodgers, and there's not much else to lean on in this team. So the bottom line, Nick, is I'm feeling a little bit shaky about my preseason Super Bowl pick to beat the Patriots, the nah, Green Bay Packers. Don't bail yet. Come on, it's twenty eight three somewhere, Don. Well, if you run the table. That gets you nine, six, and one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm still feeling and, yeah. shaky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that ain't, that's could that's, be in trouble. That's not uh, that's not happening. I don't know what the I don't know. What I could say is the biggest surprise to me so far on the season. 
I I can't decide if it's if it's Jacksonville's demise, Green Bay's. I don't know. Even I, I would just say uh, the middling season. The, 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 no, yeah, this is the a biggest, failure. Who's the biggest disappointment? I I've got it. To be honest, I've got it. Philly one, Jacksonville a close second, Green Bay third. Green Bay third. I would yeah. say yeah. If I got to go one, two, three, but then the the three biggest turnarounds to me, uh, I would say Seattle. Seattle, Seattle, because we just all kind of wrote them off early. Right. We, we said rebuild, yep. let's check back in mm-hmm. two years. And no, because they got rid of the whole defense. Right. I guess they got out of Michael Bennett at the right time. And Richard Sherman went to San Francisco. Uh, the surge by the Colts is, they are a fun, now they have gone from thoroughly irrelevant yeah. to not only relevant and a potential playoff team, but they're fun to watch. That was an overnight rebuild, too, because, yeah. I mean, they were truly horrible last year in the Pagano's mm-hmm. swan song. And well, then there was start- that, and Greg just and getting shaking yourself of the irradiated <laughs> tiki doll that was Ryan Grigson. Yeah, he was terrible. Andrew Luck doesn't get sacked now. They've got a bunch of fleet-footed, you know, scat backs. They, I have no idea who plays receiver besides T.Y. Hilton. For how about Frank Reich is in the conversation for coach of the year? Just I, right now, it would I would give it to Pete Carroll, but if. If I had to give it to someone else, it would be it would be to Frank Reich, not only for like making Indianapolis fun again. They've turned Eric Ebron. I was going to say the perennial fantasy pariah, the guy who you draft and then immediately after three weeks of hearing about his potential, this is Eric Ebron's year. Don Ebron's a breakout candidate this year. You can't be a breakout candidate five years in a row, you and now can't. all of a sudden, most touchdowns by a tight end could potentially, if he keeps this pace up, and now that Jack Doyle's out for the year, could set. Could break Gronk's record for most touchdowns by a tight end. That you, is insane. You can't stop Eric Ebron. You can only <laughs> hope to contain him. He's been, yeah, he's been a force. Um, yeah. they're, you're right. They're a fun team, and it was like boom. Yep. Remember, they come in here. <clears throat> what was it? Weeks five or six, and they lose at Gillette. At, you know, for a team that lost by two touchdowns, they were pretty darn competitive. Yeah, they actually kept scoring. And in they the moved second the ball. Half. Yeah, they yeah. scored. Yeah, they moved the ball. They kept throwing to tight ends in the end right. zone in the end zone. Yeah, they had three touchdowns to the tight end yeah. that night. And yeah, they've turned it around. And I think I mean basically what are they? The seventh seed now. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're the seventh Six seed. Six and five, but winners of five in a row. Then the AFC South is a division you don't there's two teams you do not want to play right now. One having won eight in a row, one having won five in a row. Houston. Houston and undressed Andy. the tight the Yeah, they did. Titans last night. Yeah. Ten nothing then. You look up and it was twenty-seven to ten. Um, but the other team that I wanted to talk a little bit about was the Ravens because mm. I still think um, they could make the playoffs. They're they're in the six seed position. Lamar Jackson, say what you will, he's given them a little spark because teams do have to defend both the run and the pass. And I agree, he's not a finished product as a passer. I didn't even have to say it. But if I'm John Harbaugh, I'm riding the rookie. I'm riding with him because. The defense knows that he is part of their running game. Their running game has been working. Was it Gus Edwards, this undrafted who, and player? Who is this guy? I don't know, but he's out of nowhere. He's running the ball, and that's a Baltimore. That's a, a Baltimore Ravens, you know, offense right now. They can run the ball. Jackson's passing the ball enough. He didn't run twenty-seven times this week. I think it was only eleven for seventy yards or mm-hmm. so. Um, I'm telling Mister Flacco. Thank you for your service, but stay over here on the sidelines with me right. right now. You know, even when he says his hip is fine. 
I'd, bu- I'd, I'd bubble wrap him in case of emergency. I know he's going to see a hip specialist right now. Now, if I'm Joe Flacco, I'm thinking the same. I'm thinking this. Why don't I maybe go see that specialist, go get right, shut it down. Uh, you know, I realize now this is Lamar Jackson's team. There might be a couple places like a Jacksonville that may draft a developmental project and that need a competent starter for anywhere from four games, eight games, a full yeah, season. he's not done. Go get, go get you, go get you one of those nice fat Sam. Uh, go get a nice uh, the sorry brain fart there. The quarterback that was in Arizona just got cut. I mentioned Sam Bradford. Right. Yeah, go get. Sorry about that. Go get a nice fat Sam Bradford check someplace where they need a starter for a year. Who knows? Maybe Alex. Who knows? Maybe Alex Smith won't be able to play next year. You just move move down the belt forty five minutes. This is mean to Flacco because he's been better than this. He won a Super Bowl, but I see him as <sighs> a, a little bit. Ago. Of, I know, but I see him a little bit of like like the Matt Schaub air, uh, ah! level. Like you know, a pretty good starter once upon a time, and mm-hmm. then you just kind of slid into the backup role, and you did that for three or four or five years. Right. Well, hey, you know, Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl, and. Uh, Matt Schaub had a casino game named after him. It's called Pick Six. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, all right, let's go to uh, – let's talk more a little bit now about right. the Minnesota Vikings coming into Gillette on Sunday. Patriots are getting healthy at the right time. Patriots I think, yep, are healthy. Get my boy Rex Burkhead back. Gronk cut a touchdown. Also played 69 plays Sunday. That was no accident. Uh I don't trust their defense. And like we said, that's a pretty good offense with what I would imagine is – yeah, I'll say it. Adam Thielen is probably Bill Belichick's receiver crush on another he team. Is, he is unbelievable. Awesome. Yeah. Great. All right. Here's a guy that knows plenty about the Minnesota Vikings. I'm joined now by Paul Allen, the Vikings' longtime, I think I can say that, since 2002, the longtime voice of play-by-play for the Vikings uh, and also a uh, longtime K-Fan talk show host and a good friend of mine. Paul, welcome to the Cover 2 Podcast. Thanks for your time this morning. Mr. Banks, happy holiday season. How have you been? I've been well, Paul. And um, it's good that the Vikings are back um, on my radar screen. Obviously, I covered the team from 96 to the end of the 99 season for both Twin Cities newspapers. But um, I'm willing to call this the game of the week in NFL's Week 13. It's Vikings at Patriots. Both teams went to the Final Four last year, and they're the only two Final Four teams from 2017 with winning records. Not the Eagles, not the Jaguars, um, but this is a real rarity. It's an interconference series that we only get once every four years. Mr. Brady is four and zero against the Vikings, dating to uh, two thousand and two. Um, but I wanted to talk first and foremost about the Green Bay win for the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday because it felt like—I don't know if you felt this way—it felt like it had been a while since the Vikings had won a truly big game. Um, I called it even the, uh, to myself anyway, the curse of the Minneapolis miracle. Um, because really since that moment, when you when you count the NFC title game at Philly and you consider the, the week two tie at Green Bay, the loss at the Rams in week four, which was undeniably big primetime game, the loss in the rematch with the Saints, and then the loss at Chicago the previous Sunday night, the Vikes had been on a bit of a cold streak, but I think uh, that ended with a huge uh, pivotal win Sunday night at home against the Packers. Your take? Well, we um, well, we we've been in some precarious spots this year. You know, um, early in the season, we we took a really bad home loss to Buffalo, right? And um, and that was the the day after um, at the uh, team hotel Saturday night. 
star defensive end, Everson Griffin, um, he, he just he, he went wild. And, you know, the, the team ended up losing him for more than a month. So, um, you know, I think the fact that that Sunday morning against Buffalo, the, uh, the majority of the team didn't exactly know what was happening with Everson. I, I think it was a major, major distraction. And uh, then they turned over the ball and, and gave it to Josh Allen on short fields, and all of a sudden Buffalo's up by three scores, and it was weird. You know, so um, that, that was that was a turning point because they, they went to the L.A. Rams on a short week for Thursday night football. And while losing 38-31, uh, it was a galvanizing experience for the offense because the offense was absolutely terrific. In lights out. Yeah, they were and, lights and, out. And uh, it, it, it really, you know, it, it really... It, it really showed a lot of things with Kirk Cousins that I think the fan base wanted to see. So, you know, now after that, you still didn't win the game. And we got to go to Philadelphia, and, and that's going to be really difficult. When they won that Philadelphia game, and after the Rams game, head coach Mike Zimmer with a little extra time, he simplified some things on, on defense. Uh, the defense has been one of the best in the NFL since really the midway point of the season, maybe like right around week six. And for them to get that victory at Philly, that was huge. You know, in, in, in the loss in the loss at home to New Orleans, they put Drew Brees on a yards per attempt of 5.2. And when you do that, you're supposed to win the game. So, you know, now now we have a massive game on Sunday Night Football at Chicago, and we get killed. I mean, it, it just uh, the quarterback was terrible. He threw two bad interceptions, including a pick six. And, and Chicago absolutely looked like the better team, defensively speaking. They they played well enough for the team to win. So now that gets gets us to Green Bay. It's a border battle. The Packers are down. Uh, they have injuries on defense. Aaron Rodgers' completion percentage is the worst for him in ten years. So the Vikings were supposed to win that game, and they did. You know, but um, as this bump and grind thing goes, Don, you know, now you go to Gillette. Then after that, you got Monday Night Football at Seattle, Seattle. and then you then you come home for a home game against uh, against Miami. After that, at Fort Field. And then you close at home against Chicago. So when you go thirteen and three, man, it's uh, it's not going to be easy. Yeah. And um, I'm really excited for this weekend. You know, we 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 don't get the opportunity to game plan or for me put together a game calling depth chart for excellence like this frequently enough. And you know, in starting on it early in the week, and you know, really starting uh, with the excellence of Belichick and Brady at home in December. It's just it's just mind-boggling, some of these numbers that I'm looking at right now. Well, I'm going to drop a little knowledge on you. I, I did the math last night. Since the beginning of the 2015 season, and obviously that was Mike Zimmer's second season um, after, I believe, a 7-9 and nine in 2014, but that first playoff season for Mike Zimmer on, these two teams have the best two records in their respective conferences um, since the beginning of 2015, and it's just right. just barely over the Carolina Panthers for the Vikings by virtue of that tie, 38-21 right. for the Panthers, 38-20-1. But so we're seeing, you know, two of the best teams in football head to head, and I think um, I, I think it clearly headlines this week. I wanted, you know, you you brought up Kirk Cousins. People have this outside looking in take on him that he hasn't hasn't quite lived up to the contract. But when you take a closer look, uh, truly he's had some times where he's been under pressure and not played well um, in the pocket. But I also think you stand back and see he's completing, what, over 70% of his passes, 22 touchdowns, 7 picks, uh, passer rating that's almost 102. I mean, that's not that's not a disappointment any way you cut it. And yet... 
the record at six four and one isn't the magic carpet ride of last season. Where do you think, from the inside looking out from the Twin Cities, what has been the I guess the takeaways on Kirk Cousins' first eleven games in Minneapolis, and do you think he's lived up to his end of the bargain? Couple of things here, you know. I think one of the one of the overriding problems the Vikings have had this year is that they they just have not gotten all facets to complement each other week after week after week. Like the offense was really good early, but the defense left something to be desired. Then the defense got good, and the offense came back. You know, in that Packers game, we we get a big twenty yard punt return. You know, where special teams has not been great this year, at least from a return standpoint. But Dan Bailey misses two kicks. So, you know, they're, they just, they're still trying to get everything to complement each other. With Cousins, uh, you know, he's on pace for 4,800 yards. And through, uh, through 11 games, um, he's thrown for more yards than anybody in the history of this team. And, uh, and I think it's only going to get better with uh, the fact that Dalvin Cook is legitimately up to speed now. And he's really, really heating up specifically in the pass-catching game. So, you know, with Kirk... You know, to whom much is given, much is expected, man. And, right. and I think that's the most fair way to look at it is he's done a lot of really good things when he went outdoors on a chilly Sunday night at Soldier Field in the biggest game of the season. It didn't work out. So then he comes home against a bad defense, and it does work out. Now he goes to Belichick where it's going to be 46 and maybe rainy. It's another big game. It's outdoors. It's against an incredibly accomplished team. And, and Kirk, Kirk needs to be good. I mean, that, that's just, that, that's it. He just has to be good. He has to have one of those games where he has markedly more touchdowns than picks. The passer rating needs to be above 100. The completion percentage needs to be between 68 and 74. And, and he, he needs to be the identity of the offense no matter what the protection is. You know, I don't know the answer to this, but I, I assume Zimmer and Belichick, two defensive guys um, and longtime coaches, have a, a a nice relationship and healthy respect for each other. And yet Zimmer comes off of the Parcells, Bill Parcells coaching tree, and obviously the Parcells-Belichick uh, connection is, is well known. Do you happen to know if, if, if Mike and Bill are, you know, anything other than just uh, opposing coaches in terms of their relationship? Now they don't know each other real well, and and I talked to Mike about that yesterday a little bit after his um, his Monday press conference. Uh, Mike said they talked on the phone one time. Not exactly sure what they talked about. Uh, they've run into each other at um, at meetings before and in the combine, but they do not know each other well. Um, obviously, Mike's level of respect for what Bill has accomplished. You know, I'm certainly not speaking for Mike or the team, but I think it's fair to say his level of respect for Bill is immense. Um, and, and I would imagine coming back on the other side with the way Mike executes things defensively, I would imagine Bill really respects Mike. So we'll see how it works out this weekend. Let me ask you about the kicking situation because, unfortunately, Minnesota's one of those teams. The Chargers are this way, Tampa Bay. There's just some teams that can't seem to get the kicking situation calmed down. Now, Dan Bailey was money in Dallas, comes up here. He's 15 out of 20 this year, 75%. That's not bad, but obviously – there was the issue Sunday night. Zimmer was quoted by Michelle Tavoya saying basically he wasn't going to let a kick decide this game and, and intimated already that the pressure was on. I have a theory. I want to hear your take on it. I have a theory that Mike, who I have great respect for and a great rapport with, Mike is so intense and and really you know, that intensity pervades in everything he does that sometimes kickers just can't seem to relax because obviously it's been more – 
than one or two instances now. It's been a bit of a history with the Vikings kicking situation since Mike got there. Do you have any theory as to whether why a dome team, you know, and obviously you were outdoors for a few years there in the Blair Walsh era, but why why the kicking issues are continuing? Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I don't necessarily agree with your theory with all due respect, simply because, granted, Mike is intense and he does put a lot of pressure on a lot of people to perform at the highest level, but he doesn't interact or mingle with the, with the kickers too frequently. You know, whether, whether it's they, they hit a walk-off winner or they miss two in a game. So, I mean, th- this is on Dan. And, um, you know, Dan did get beat out of a job in Dallas by, by Maher in, into this season. So, you know, they, they did pick him up after they cut Daniel Carlson. For the, uh, for the kid, I mean, when he missed, when he missed three field goals at Lambeau Field, it completely cost us the game. So he kind of had to go and he's a rookie and he's, he's flourishing in Oakland. So. Right. You know, I think that that clearly was a confidence thing. But, um, you know, with the uh, with the kicking situation, it's tricky for a lot of teams around the NFL right now. I've never seen so many kickers audition uh, on Tuesdays for the potential of new jobs while a kicker currently has a job and is not hurt um, as much as I have this year. You know, I and, and personally, I don't think Kai Forbath did that poorly with the Vikings. He had a huge kick in the Minneapolis Miracle game last year. Uh, but nevertheless, they'll get it fixed. Eventually, they'll get it fixed. Okay. Last thing, the Xavier Rhodes injury. Obviously, there was a, a, a Twitter doctor who uh, f- formerly worked for an NFL team who said it could be very serious. What's the latest on that, as you know it? Um, not as serious as we had feared, correct? Yeah, I thought it was really bad when it happened. And when I talked to Xavier in the uh, locker room after the game, he was really, really sad. So I, you know, I didn't go on my radio show with this yesterday because I, did, I didn't want to be the radio doctor guy. But I was just kind of guessing to myself that it was going to be bad and, and he might even be out for the year. So when, um, you know, it, it's weird. Um, you know, when I was sitting in the bowels of uh, the, the facility, TCO Performance Center, yesterday before Mike's press conference, he, he comes off this elevator with a longtime media relations mogul, uh, Bob Hagan. And before he walks in in front of the media, I asked him about Adam Pacman Jones you know, a player with whom he's familiar uh, from his days in Cincinnati, and Adam recently got cut by Denver. Right. You know, Mike said, you know, I, I haven't looked at him. I have no idea what he's up to. He got cut by Denver. Then he went out and did his press conference. You know, and then, then during the press conference, he says it's a very, very mild, strained situation with Xavier. So then the press conference is done, and, and I, I look at Mike and I go, let's hold up on the Pac-Man conversation, right? Because, um, you know, I don't think they're going to be in need of, of replacing Xavier with somebody who's played in the league because I don't think it's that bad. Now, when it comes to this weekend, you know, until they start practicing tomorrow, really I have no idea if he will play. I hope he does play. But um, but if, they, if he doesn't, it's unfortunate um, because they, you know, they a month and change ago they lost their 2018 first-round pick, Mike Hughes, to, uh, to an ACL injury. Now, they, they did hit on a college free agent from Texas named Holton Hill. And Holton has had to play a fair amount this year because Xavier and Trey Waynes have been in and out. So um, so if Holton has to play against Tom Brady, may, may God be with us all. But uh, but he's a pretty talented kid. Paul, let's close on this. I just realized that, you know, the last five years, once upon a time, lower seeds made it all the way. But the, the last team to go from a number six seed was Green Bay in 2010 that did beat the Steelers that year. The last five years, it has become pretty much if you don't have a one or a two seed, you're not going to the bowl. 
can this Vikings team, which is currently number six, get where it needs to go, you you think, this season if it doesn't fight its way up um, into a higher seed? And clearly we're talking about a top-heavy NFC with New Orleans and the Rams at one and two. Well, currently. absolutely. Absolutely, and here's why. Uh, because I watched them outplay New Orleans and lose because of a pick six and an Adam Thielen fumble. Uh, the Vikings were absolutely at the bottom of, of where they uh, of the 2018 season when they went to the Coliseum, and they had a great chance to beat the Rams. Yeah. So, um, you know, whether it's going to Superdome, going to, to the Coliseum, or going back to Soldier Field, uh, if that's the case, that's the case. Because if, if this Vikings situation, special teams, defense, and offense, if it complements each other the way it did last year, three consecutive weeks, and that happens to transpire during the postseason, that they're going to be very difficult to beat because they, they have an immense amount of talent. And the defense is playing incredibly well now. This third down defense against Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Matthew Stafford, it doesn't really matter. It, it, it's been nearly impenetrable. Curious to see how it works this weekend. So they need it all to complement. And, and, and when it does, this is going to be a tough team to beat. Vikings at Patriots, 425 Eastern time on Sunday, NFL Game of the Week, in my estimation. We've been joined by Paul Allen, the Vikings' longtime radio play-by-play man since 2002. Paul, thanks for your time this morning. Looking forward to the call on Sunday, and we will see you then. Yep, thanks, John. That's probably the optimistic view if you're a Viking fan. Because, it is. again, keep in mind, in the last five Super Bowls, uh, all ten teams had a first-round bye. Mm-hmm. And four of the last five Super Bowl matches have been one versus one. So what it says to me is, if you're a, a six seed, you've got a long way to go. Is this that rare year that that could change? Yes, but with the Rams and Saints sitting there at one two in the NFC, it's a lot of lumber in your way. Looks like a tough a tough lift. I, the last one to go the distance would have been the, the last, Giants, right? The last team to to win the Super Bowl without. A first round buy were the 2012 Ravens. Ravens, that's right. Yeah. Who went on that epic streak? They were a Flacco. Paid. They were a four seed, right? Um, and then, as I believe, there's still I, a Denver safety that doesn't sleep at night because of that. <laughs> that's right. right, poor guy. Uh, and then I think, as I mentioned, the the last uh, six seed was the 210, uh, 2010 Packers that right. went all the way. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, once upon a time, it was so it was so common for someone to fight their way out of that mm-hmm. first round. And now it's really been about getting the buy. So, again, that's why I think it's so important for New England to maintain to the, the number two seed at least that they thousand got on Sunday. Percent. And it's also important if you're in the NFC where you're staring at two quality teams like the Rams and the Saints with those powerful offenses to, to somehow get a, in a better position. But he's right. When the Vikings put everything together on the same page, that defense, that offense – and get some kicking, they could they could make some noise. If there is a team in the NFL right now that will miss out on a first-round bye but could possibly go the distance, I think the Vikings have enough talent that if they play together on the right day, the right way, they could do it. Look in the AFC. Is there another team? Colts aren't going to do it. It's a fun story. Yeah. I, I see Seattle in the NFC capable. I really do. I think they're a... They've got a nice formula with the running game right now. I think that defense, I don't think that defense against, 
I think Seattle would give the Rams a great game. They helped. They already did. They, yes. they gave him two I, I'm great saying, games. No, I know. One more. I think they give him another great game. But I think the Rams have just enough firepower to pull it out. And I think the Saints would get the job done against them. Yeah. Well, Besides, the Saints, the, last I checked, the Saints owe the Seahawks one in the playoffs. They do indeed. They kind of do. Beast, a little Beastquake payback. Beastquake. Um, yeah, another team that's interesting, and I kind of want to set up week 13 in the mm-hmm. NFL, partly because they play a huge Monday night game at home against Washington. But the Eagles, like that uh, great scene in Monty Python, they're not dead yet. You know, bring out your dad. No, I'm, 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 I'm not, not dead. quite dead yet. Yeah. Oh, I'm, feeling mu- now. I'm feeling much better. Uh, oh, you're nearly dead. Stop yeah. being a big baby. But they're not dead at no. five and six, and it's because they play in the NFC East. Right. And they're only a game behind, and they have... Nine and seven is definitely winning that division. If Yeah. And I could see a scenario where... If it really goes round robin and everybody starts beating everybody else, eight and eight with the tiebreak could win mm-hmm. that division, which has happened before. By the way, Giants five five touches for Saquon Barkley in the yeah, second half. That wasn't good. Uh, tanking party of one. Your higher draft pick is waiting for <laughs> okay, you. Okay, that's what it was. Oh, I think it was bad coaching. Was, but well, all right, but uh, you, why would you give him the ball? You, you got nineteen tanking. touches in the first half and then five in the second. I'll Come go. On. I'll go. They got shermered. How about Ugh. that? They got shermered. Let's get back to the Eagles. I think. At five and six, believe it or not, they still they still might be. I know Dallas has the the best path, sure. But the Eagles in the next two weeks, okay. home against Washington yep. at Dallas. What if the Eagles are sitting there at seven and six through thirteen games? What if the Cowboys lose Thursday night, this Thursday night, right. at home against the Saints, and then turn around and lose? Uh, at home against the Eagles, and they suddenly drop to six and seven, uh-huh. and then you got Washington. They're going to take at least one loss in that scenario with the Eagles and be no better than what, fair enough seven and six. So, in two weeks, we could look at the Eagles and be saying they're going to the playoffs if sure. they can take care of these these two division games. And here's exactly how I want to see it play out. I want the Vikings to make. The, I want the Vikings to lose Sunday, but then win the next week. I want the Vikings to make the playoffs because a lot of these teams that we thought were shoo-ins as the wild card, I don't think are going to make it. Panthers have gone on an epic inconsistent yeah. streak. Yeah, uh, the Falcons are cooked. Yeah. I think right now your leading candidates for wild card teams are the Vikings and the Seahawks, and the Seahawks right. could go on the road at this point, give anyone a game, if not possibly upset somebody. What I want to see most is I want the I want. I want the Eagles to win the NFC East. Sorry, any Cowboys fans listening. And then I want the Vikings to go into Philadelphia Wild Card Weekend, kick their ass, and get revenge for the way that Vikings fans were treated in Philadelphia at last year's NFC Championship. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I, I would. That, l- that would be just delicious. So, I've got Seattle grabbing one of the wild cards. Yep. And then Minnesota probably grabbing the other one, and that leaves. Who who does that leave out? That leaves uh, Washington out. Uh, Not exactly a marquee team that anyone's going to say. Oh man, Dallas. Dallas wouldn't. Dallas is the only other interesting team. And by the way, low key, uh, nice sneaky little low key. Didn't see that coming. Positive storyline. We talked about the Colts surge. Houston winning eight in a row. Seattle's comeback story. How about the difference Amari Cooper has made? He is playing. He, like we're talking about, like he's playing like Randy Moss going from Oakland to New England football. No eight one, catches, hundred eighty yards, two touchdowns on Thanksgiving night. That was a show. No one's snickering at the first round trade. Nope. Now. And they'll overpay him in the off season. He'll be. He's only twenty four. He's reborn. 
The only thing I'll say is slow down because Friday morning I saw headlines. Are there are the Dallas's are, are the Cowboys new triplets for real? Hold on now. They're not. They're not Troy yeah. Emmett and Michael just right. yet. Right. Let's yeah. Let's let's slow our roll a little bit there. But Amari Cooper obviously was the biggest reason why they won Thanksgiving mm-hmm. at home. Right now, uh, I have Pete Carroll as coach of the year and GM of the year, John Gruden, because he has resuscitated <laughs> How many two teams? other franchises. <laughs> yeah. I, I, Best I, GM in football, just not for his own team. Wouldn't you have gone and spent Thanksgiving with Gruden watching the first game? Now, Khalil Mack didn't like lay waste to the Lions, but they triple-teamed him at times, and other guys oh. then laid waste to the Lions because Khalil Mack was on the field. And then you watch Amari Cooper go off, and both those teams win. Guy is unbelievable. Thank you very much, John Gruden. Um, the other good game is the Sunday Nighter, mm-hmm. which... I believe is is it Pittsburgh at yes it's Pittsburgh at the Chargers correct? What are you talking about? You're not pumped for Colts at Jags? No, not at, at all. No, it's Chargers at Pittsburgh. My no, bad. I know. And Chargers I w- at Pittsburgh. You think Browns real quick? Do you think Browns could uh, Browns Texans may be watchable? Well, anything with Baker Mayfield is watchable right. right now. You can't you can't talk about the Browns like they were the Browns anymore. They're not the Browns. No. And can I just say this again, rather softly? The idea of Greg Williams getting more than just a cursory check-a-box in-house interview for the full-time head coaching job is getting a little bit more um, believable. Wow. He's actually doing a pretty good job. Wow. He is. I I wouldn't put my money on it because I don't think he's a John Dorsey guy, and eventually Mm -hmm. Greg Williams will get himself in trouble with Mm -hmm. his his mouth. He's got so many other offers. Why would he take the Browns? Right. How many offers did he get? Nine? Yeah. Ten? That, with Brian Billick with the subtweet of the year. Yeah, bro. <laughs> you know, so many when I knew he was full of it is when he said that those offers were faxed to him because mm-hmm. people don't it must fax. have been Elmas Doomerville's agent who faxed them to him, people too. People don't fax anymore. But um, Sunday night game, Chargers at Steelers. I, I'm glad. You know what? I haven't seen enough Chargers. They Now, there's a team. I said Minnesota's gotten a lot of coverage this year, yes. one o'clockers, primetime games. I have not seen any Carson Chargers football really nope, this year. Really They're never haven't. on TV. Hey, I am proud of you. Yeah, thank you. You didn't say San Diego. That's right. I did that just for you. I lose. Um, I agree with you. I haven't seen a lot of the Chargers, and they had that gut punch loss the week before Denver, and then they got down 10 nothing at home to the Cardinals mm-hmm. and then destroyed them with Phillip Rivers going, what was he, 28 to 29 to set 20, up one game? Uh, yeah, Something 20, ridiculous. Yeah. 25 in a row, but then I think 28 28. An interesting game because obviously Roethlisberger and Rivers were part of the uh, famed 04 quarterback draft class with Eli Manning at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've met in the playoff uh, playoffs a couple times, I want to say. But to me, this is a huge game for Pittsburgh because I know they came back and won at Jacksonville. But I thought, again, the end of the game play calling was horrible. And mm-hmm. then this week they go to Denver and they have the game – Pretty much in overtime on the three yard line. Yep, and Ben just makes one of those head slapping Roethlisberger. Why throws. in the world do they do this RPO Tebow jump throw thing? I, okay, the, you know we always talk about like Andy Reid needs to have a clock management yeah. specialist. Mike Tomlin needs a two minute drill off. He needs a guy to say, "Don't do that. Don't, don't, don't do have that. Ben fake the spike and throw it and have Eric Rowe tip it to Deron Harmon and lose to the Patriots you when." Don't. You don't you get, won. You don't want to get intercepted by a defensive tackle. They are, they are on the three awful, yard line. Awful in the last two minutes of a game. That's why I can't trust them. I really no. can't trust Pittsburgh because nope. I think they get to the last few minutes of a game and they don't 
have any level of preparation and they don't seem to know what they want to do or how to do it. And it just goes haywire. Mike Tomlin's too busy walking around on the sideline showing sweat, like, like swag, just like he's walking around I looking like, tough. I like the aviators. You, I, come Ugh. on. Everybody likes the aviators. He benefits from the talent on the field so much. Like I don't think that I like the aviators. he's a buddy. Are the aviators on the sideline? All right, he looks good. Yeah, he does. He looks like he should be in Top Gun or something with those aviators. I mean, I agree. I don't. I don't like their end of the game vibe whatsoever. So let's see if the Chargers can go into Pittsburgh and pull out that win because I think Steelers have been pretty tough at home. Um, They're a much better team, but Road Ben has been a little better than typical Road Ben in previous seasons. Right, Road Ben. But do the Chargers have the defense to slow them down just enough? I don't know. I want to see. And I don't think they're going to have Melvin Gordon because he, no, he's got MCL. No, MCL is pretty bad. Yeah. So. I mean, Eckler is a perfectly fine, if not excellent, backup. But I would probably pick Pittsburgh to win this game. Mm-hmm. But anyway, th- those, are your, those are your top games. New Orleans at Dallas, which is a really good Thursday nighter. Don't, don't forget in 09, the Saints were 13-0, and go to Dallas. That's right. Perfect season ended. Mm-hmm. Now they've won 10 in a row. They're going into Dallas. Jerry Jerry Jones and Sean Payton had this have this bromance going, so mm-hmm. everybody thinks Sean Payton's eventually going to be Jerry's coach. Uh, that's an interesting game. Then we've already talked Minnesota at New England, which is the four twenty five game, and then Sunday night Chargers at Pittsburgh. Monday night uh, Washington at right. Philly. That is some football to go get a tree. Decorate and get the house ready for the holiday season too. Right there, yet. I have not done that yet. Yeah, yet. I'm doing that on uh, that's Friday. We want to thank Paul Allen, who was our guest on today's Cover Two podcast, a play-by-play man for the Vikings and a KFAN radio host. For our producer Kevin Collins, my co-host Nick Stevens. Looking forward to a good Week 13 in the NFL. I'm Don Banks. We hope you'll give us a listen again next week on the Cover Two podcast on Patriots.com. Take care. Thank you for downloading the Cover 2 podcast from Patriots.com. Second and goal to go from the two. Toss sweep right for James White. Tucks it under the right arm. Cuts it upfield. Driving forward. It's diving to the goal line. It's still a touchdown. And a title for the Patriots. It. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Log on to Patriots.com anytime for more news and more podcasts covering your favorite team and all things NFL.